we're working. Okay, first thing I need to do is see if Larry, Larry is back there. That's a good sign. Everybody knows Larry. So Larry's probably been going to Sunday school for 60 or 70 years every Sunday religiously, for lack of a better word. And so for the last 10 weeks, I've been teaching Sunday school, and Larry is absent. I stop, I stop teaching, Charlie takes over, Larry shows back up. <laughs> so, so if Larry was going to walk out right before the sermon, I, I, then, then I'd really get a complex. But Larry's still back there. Maybe he can't get up, but he's... <laughs> At least, he's, at least he's still back there, so. Okay. Brad texted me a couple weeks ago and asked me to uh, come up here, give a little sermon. I thought, okay, what am I going to preach about? I've been teaching, like I said, 10 weeks. The authority of the believer. I'll teach on the authority of the believer. And then I get another text, and it says, I want you to teach on discipleship. Okay, so I got to do that. I think the main reason is because he's hearing me talking a little bit about discipleship and really this question, can you be a Christian and not be a disciple of Christ? So think about that question. Can you be a Christian and not be a disciple of Christ? All right, I'm not going to do a, a hand here thing, but I have asked that question probably in the last couple months here to maybe a couple dozen um, believers, people that I know that have been following the Lord. Some have just maybe been following the Lord for a couple months. Some have been following the Lord for 70 years, and I've asked them that question. Can you be a Christian without being a disciple of Christ? And the answer that is, that is probably 50-50, whether you can be a Christian without being a disciple of Christ. Some people say, yes, you could be a Christian without being a disciple of Christ. Some people say, no. My experience has been about a 50-50 and I think the answer when they say yes, I think overall they're getting that from, well, you're saved by grace, and then you have to walk into maturity to become a disciple. And those that are saying no, you can't be a Christian without being a disciple of Christ they're, they're basically saying that by very definition of a Christian is a disciple of Christ. All right. So I'm not here to really debate it, uh, but I want to talk about it a little bit because my concern is that you are going ahead and, let's see, you're your behavior comes out of your identity. All right. Let, let, let me 
if, if you get my phone right now, and, and if you wanted to call, I'm just going to use this as an example. If you wanted to call Mr. Halk back here in the corner, and you got out my phone, you wouldn't see Jeff. I'm going I'm to pick on you here again on this. And you would actually see St. Jeff. Uh, that's, what's, that's what's actually in my phone. Now, some of you have heard this story before. Um, but Jeff and I go way back. And every week for a period of time, for I don't know how long, um, we had a men's ministry. And we'd meet at his, at his home. And we talked about the fact that um, so when you are uh, born again and you say, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Are you really a sinner saved by grace? You could say, I was a sinner saved by grace, right? But you're no longer a sinner because Jesus took that away from you, right? And so that was our, that was our point where... Um, I, for some reason, started calling Jeff St. Jeff. And then when I started to do that the first time or two, I continued for two reasons. One is because at that point in his walk, he was dealing with some stuff, and, and it made him squirmish a little bit. And I just like that. That was just fleshing me, I guess. <laughs> I just, just want to say. But the other part was that he needed to get that. He needed to get the fact that he was a, a, a saint now, he, that, that his, your behavior flows from your identity. Actually, um, I, I think also that Evie encouraged it, that, that she, would, she had no problem with me calling him St. Jeff because we need to understand our, our identity. Our, our behavior flows from our identity. Examples of that would be, especially in other countries, but I guess you could say it even here in America, when you are born into, or at least they think, um, born into royalty, then your behavior, you act from, from your child. It's your, your royalty. And, and when you're born as a peasant, then you know you're a peasant. Um, so your, your, your behavior flows from your identity. So when, when you accept Jesus... As your Savior, that that step of of you're you're really your first act as a disciple of Christ is that act of of stepping out and accepting Jesus as your Savior. Okay, what you've done at that point is you have heard from the Lord. Right? You might be in a service like this. Every one of us had different experience, right? But you might be in a, a service like this, and there might be what we call an altar call. All right? And at that point, there's something stirring within you. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You can remember back when that was happening, right? And, and so what you did was you, and some of you know this too. You may have done this. You may still be doing this. You, you like... Suppress it. No, this is the Holy Spirit in you, stirring you up. And so you've actually taken that step and say, yes, I raise my hand. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Right? That is your first act of discipleship. 
All right, because what you've done is you've heard from the Lord and you stepped out. You were obedient, right? And then from then on, you have, you have other steps that you're going to take, right? So, um, when you, you're going back to the, uh, I don't know if I want to go back here or not, but yeah, let, let me go back to, when, no, I, I think I'll hold off on that. I, I, got, I got checked on that. I got checked on that. Um, the, the Lord kind of changed what I was going to talk about a little bit as I got started here. Um, but I guess that, that's, that's really my belief is that, see, my, my biggest concern is that when, if your behavior flows from your identity and you believe that, all right, so, so we're out here with this city quake. We're talking about city quake stuff. All right, so we're, I'm somewhat activated in that, been out about three different times. I've prayed for numerous people. Then when I get done praying with them, I ask them, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? So far, my experience has been every one of them say they know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Every one of them say that. Um, right now, or at least the last statistic I saw, 64% of Americans say that they are Christians. Um, a few decades ago, that was actually 90%. 90% of Americans say that they're Christians. So it's, so it's going down somewhat, but more than 50% still say that they're Christians. I don't know that all of those are truly following the Lord and if they're truly actually going to heaven. Um, and so that's my biggest concern is that if... If we think, and I don't know where this really came from, and you, you may be thinking in a different direction, and you can dig into the Word, check everything that I'm saying, um, throw it out if you don't believe what I'm saying here. But I, I don't know exactly where this came from as far as that there are... I, I, I guess I do understand that um, when you look at somebody... Um, and they're a fairly new believer, or even if they've walked with the Lord for 30 or 40 years, and you're not seeing Jesus in them, all right, you, you might say, well, that's, that's not a disciple of Christ. I guess I, so I, I, I guess I understand where that's coming from, um, but that would be the same thing as, you know, going ahead and... and saying, no, you're, you're a sinner saved by grace. No, no, I've accepted the Lord. I just need to mature in that, right? Yeah. Okay. When we, don't, we, don't, um, we don't go ahead and pick saints like that. I, I grew up in the Catholic Church, right? We don't, we don't pick saints like the, like the saints do uh, or like the, like the Catholics do. You know, they're, they're doing that based on what they see, right? We are not supposed to be doing that, right? We are, we are actually, um, we are saved by grace. So, so it's not, not by works. Now, there's works that the Lord's put up aside for us to do, but, but we are saved by grace. So, 
Now, now as a Catholic, and I said this the other day to, to a group, um, when I was growing up, I heard bad things about two groups of people. I heard bad things about Protestants. I heard bad things about prostitutes. And, and, and it wasn't until I was about 10 years old that I didn't know that they weren't the same thing. <laughs> that's always good for a laugh, but that's true. <laughs> it, it, really, it really is true. So, so, so really, my biggest concern is that if we here in America, maybe other countries, um, have went down this road where we think that maybe there's like two groups of people. We've accepted the Lord, but um, that, that's my concern, is that you'll hear a message and you'll say, that's for the disciples. That's, that's for the pastor. That's for the elders. That's for, no, you dig into the word. Go, go in from what Jesus said and from what Paul said and James said. You will never hear a separate message. You will never hear that. Um, you might hear, you know, we can look at, well, you know, Pastor last week was talking about the church in Corinth. And when we were talking about the church in Corinth, um, Paul might have called them, or aren't you carnal? All right. He's, he's talking to the group of believers, but he's saying your actions are carnal. He's not saying that you're not a disciple of Christ. He's not saying you're not a follower. He said you're just not following properly. It's the same thing like, you know, as a saint, all right, we may not always act out being a saint, right? All right, but we still, our sins are still forgiven. When you accepted the Lord, did you just, did you just accept Jesus as your Savior? No, we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, right? He is our Lord, all right? If he's our Lord, then are we not his, are we not his disciple, right? Are we not his follower? You, you can, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's Mr. Dillon say? You got to serve somebody. It can be the devil or it can be the Lord, but you got to serve somebody, right? You're going to serve one or the other, all right? This true story. The gentleman, and you might have heard this before, a uh, gentleman had a dream. And in that dream, he's in a field. And he's walking through the middle of this field. And on the one side, there's a devil. And the devil is, is calling out to him, enticing him, giving him all these different things to come, come follow me. And, and, and over here is Jesus. He's on the other side of the field. And Jesus is saying, I died for you. You know, come follow me. And, and, and so he goes back. I mean, he's sleeping, but he goes back into the sleep. But that, that dream comes back up again. And, and in that dream, uh, the next time, and there's a true story about this guy's dream, the next time uh, he just hears the devil just laughing and saying, thank you, thank you for coming into my kingdom. And, and, and this guy's like, whoa, 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 wait. I know I've yet to, to accept Jesus as my Savior, but I never accepted you either. I stayed in the middle. I stayed on the fence. And he just started laughing again and saying, I own the fence. Yeah. So you, 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 do, not, you do not want to be on the fence. 
And we're talking about that. We're talking about that for salvation. But we're talking about that in our daily walk. In our daily walk, you do not want to be on the fence. You do not. You are a disciple of Christ. All right. And you need to walk out being a disciple of Christ. We've got to watch that in how we're hearing. The messages are for us as believers, all of us. All right. We've got to watch how we talk to people, too. All right. When we, when we speak to them and say, you know, we're speaking to the body of Christ. We need everyone. Don't, don't we say that? We need everybody in the body, right? There's no one more special than, than somebody else. And if we don't have all of you, we don't function as properly. So we need everybody to, to step up as disciples. Um, all right. So a couple, um, just to make sure it's a legitimate uh, message here, we'll go into some scriptures. Uh, John 8.31 Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So as a disciple, any of you who have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we need to be walking in, in we need to hold to my teaching. When you say hold to my teaching, we need to hear, and then we need to walk it out, right? So, I've got a note here. The same way you received your salvation is the same way you walk out your salvation. And what was that? What did we just talk about? We heard from the Lord. We knew that we needed the Lord. We knew we were sinners. We needed the Lord. And, and we took a step. We, we, we walked it out. That same thing is how you walk out your salvation. You need to continue to hear from the Lord. And you need to continue to activate and not just be deceived and be hearers only. Just as you choose salvation, you must choose discipleship. It's not automatic. Okay, so for those of you who might be uh, starting to fall asleep, I'm going to ratchet up one. All right. We're going to go to we're talking about discipleship. Actually, I think one of these verses, uh, Pastor Brad mentioned last week. So we're going in to see what Jesus said about his disciples. And he had a lot to say. So I'm only going to pull out a few scriptures here. Like I said, we're ratcheting it up. I'm not ratcheting it up. I'm just reading what Jesus said. Don't shoot the messenger. Matthew 16. Verses, uh, starting at verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses it for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Now, I'm going to be very careful here because we still hear many people talking about 
well, then I have to do this and do this. Is that, you know, because that, that's what I heard from this guy that was up here talking. N no, not to gain your salvation. All right. We gain our salvation because it's a gift from God, right? We gain it. If it's the grace of God that gives us our salvation. But once we've done that, then there's works that he's prepared. It says specifically, he's prepared works for us. As a matter of fact, we're part of his body, and he actually depends on us. He's the head. He's not here. We are here. His Holy Spirit works through us. All right, ratchet up one more time. Let's go to Luke. This is where you put your seatbelts on. Luke 14, starting in verse 26. Twenty-six, verse 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And then we'll jump down to Verse 33, anyone who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. That's some strong words there, right? That's some strong words. So, so the first thing is we have, we have to understand what, what Jesus is saying here because his words never contradict each other, right? So when he's saying you got to hate your, 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 your spouse and, and your children, um, there's plenty of other verses that say you've got to love them, and it shows you how to love them. So is he contradicting? No, he's not contradicting himself. If you really read into this, what he's basically saying is you, the, the love that you're going to have for Jesus, because of the love that he has for you, has got to be so strong that in comparison, it compares like you're, you're hating your, your, your brother and sister. You're hating your spouse. Um, that's, that's because, in uh, all of this, when, when it says, um, any of you who does not give up everything cannot be my disciple, I could give you plenty of other verses that basically say that if you give up everything, then this is what's going to end up happening. Okay, what it comes down to is that Jesus understands that this walk that he has, he, he, you have to do exactly what Jesus did. All right. He loved us so much that he went ahead and he, and he died for us. Now we have to love him so much that we literally, we, not, not this group over here, this disciples, and these are just followers, um, that anybody who has accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior needs to die to themselves. All right. That's, I've, I've got a little message here that uh, I've got from anybody ever hear of a preacher named A.W. Tozer? Okay, so I like this note from him. I like this one sentence, but I'll read even a little bit more. Um, he says, we must do something about the cross. 
And one of two things only can we do, flee it or die upon it. Flee it or die upon it. If we are wise, we'll do what Jesus did. Endure the cross and despise its shame for the joy that is set before us. To do this is to submit the whole pattern of our lives to be destroyed and built again in the power of endless life. And we shall find that it is more than poetry, more than sweet harmony and elevated feeling. The cross will cut into where it hurts worst, sparing neither us nor our carefully cultivated reputations. It will defeat us, bring our selfish lives to an end. Only then can we rise in fullness of life to establish a pattern of living wholly new and free and full of good works. We have to die to ourselves. Jesus knows this. We can't, uh, anything else, unless you're actually dying to yourself on, and, and I was going to take this a step further, all right? I say we need to do this daily. We need to do this moment by moment, all right? Anything else runs into religion. All right, what happens at that point is you're going to get really frustrated because you're going to have a list of, you know, here, here's my list, all right? You, you Google discipleship, and I did just doing a little research going into this. You're going to get this list of things, and I'm not saying they're bad, and I'm not saying if I was up here and give you a half a dozen things to do or 10 different things to do, but I'm avoiding that because what, what can happen is you start doing that type of thing on your own strength, okay? What we need to do is we need to die to ourselves. We need to die to ourselves and let that Holy Spirit in us. Um, and, and so here's the two things that I have. To be a disciple of Christ, spend time with the Lord. All right, step one. He's your, he's your Lord and Savior now. If he's your Lord and Savior, you got to spend time with him. You got to find out what he wants you to do, right? So you got to spend time with the Lord, all right? And when you're spending that time, and what I'm talking about is in the Word, I'm talking about prayer, you know, whatever. We need to spend time with the Lord, all right? We need to listen. Uh, that's part of that, spending time with the Lord. And second step, do what he tells you to do. Just, just do what he tells you to do, all right? Now, what's going to happen is you try to walk that out, fear comes into play, right? I don't know if... Um, what would it be? Let's say it goes, uh, you know, the city quake thing. Ah, I'm afraid to go and talk to, you know, like, don't let that fear come in your way. If the Lord's telling you to go talk to somebody, go do it. You might save their life, right? Um, what, what if the Lord's telling you um, give $500 to this cause or whatever? Trust me, I've walked down that road. I can do a whole sermon on, on how the Lord has taken care of Linda and I, and because I questioned that, I feared that somewhat, um, but now we are givers, and the Lord, you cannot give the Lord, like I said. Um, so whatever he's telling you to do, forgiveness, right? Man, big step for people, big step, all right? But the Lord's telling you, do it. You will be blessed in all of these different things. If the Lord is telling you to do it, just say yes. 
I, I, you know, I've walked with the Lord for 30 years now, and it's just over the last few years that I'm really understanding how fear, fear of man, fear of um, what you're going to lose, whatever, is always, it's, it's, it's from square one. Like I said, your discipleship walk, it, it, it starts when you accept the Lord. There are people that still have not accepted the Lord because of fear, right? I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of what I'm going to have to give up, right? I guarantee you what you're giving up is filthy rags compared to what the Lord will do for you. So you step into it and just say yes, um, and you'll see what the, what the Lord will do. Um, all right, got a note here in Hebrews 12, 24. Uh, how many of you have ever heard of the, of the group, um, rock and roll Christian group, Third Day? Got, got a few of you. Every now and then, Gideon will play a Third Day song, and I really appreciate that. And my favorite song, probably not even just from Third Day, might even be my favorite song overall, is, uh, especially if you see Third Day playing this song live, it's called Consuming Fire. In Hebrews 12, I think it's 12, 24, um, it says that our God's a consuming fire. And then that song, it says, he reaches inside and takes out this cold heart of stone. That's what he does for us. He reaches inside, takes out this cold heart of stone. Um, okay. Linda and I, so we've just moved into this house beginning of the year. And we've had gardens before, but this is probably our really first legitimate 600-square-foot garden. And um, so, so we planted one pumpkin seed, one pumpkin plant, and, and we put it in the garden. We're rookies, man. We don't know. So these people that are laughing, man, that, 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 that pumpkin plant has taken over half of our garden. You can see some pictures. We've got pumpkins that are this big. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. What, what if we, I'm not a pumpkin seed guy, but what if we said, man, I really like pumpkin seeds. I want to eat that pumpkin seed instead. All right, no good. Or let's say, let's say we're that pumpkin seed, and we, and we say, nah, I don't, I don't want to, uh, why, why would I want to, when I'm, when I'm breathing good now, and I'm doing things okay, why would I want to go into that dirt? Why would I want to be buried, right? And so all you're going to ever have is your little seed, right? Now, some of you are farmers. I know, you know, Larry, and um, I don't know how, um, Linton, I, I, I don't know how. I, we need more farmers. We need more. It's, 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 I, I really believe it. The, the, the decrease of those who are saying that they're Christians, I think, it, I think that decline if you look at the decline of how many farmers are in America, I think they coincide. <laughs> I'm just saying that, but the reason is because how can you be a farmer and not be a believer? You take your, all of your resources, you bury them in the ground, and you do that through faith. All right? That's a great example of what we need to do. We need to bury things. We need to bury our, our past life and everything. Every day, every day we need to make that choice. Die to ourselves. That's the life of a disciple. Okay. I'm kind of wrapping up here. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. We need to uh, 
jump over to probably my favorite book in the Bible, which is James. And as, as Brad would say, I'm, I'm winding down, winding down. Okay. Um, so going back to that question, can you be a Christian without being a disciple of Christ? Aren't we really asking, can I be a follower of Jesus without following Jesus? Or can I get to heaven without following Jesus? I, you answer that yourself. James, we're going to the second chapter, starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Now, it doesn't say you're not saved, but it kind of insinuates that. Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons, demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man. Don't you want, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete in what he did and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. And I jump down to verse 29. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I believe that the Lord inspired James to write this specifically about Abraham because like I said before, the word does not contradict each other. All right, you can't find one thing and say, oh, he said here that you're supposed to hate your wife and, and over here you're supposed to love your wife. No, there's reasons for that. So, so you can look at Romans 4.2. I won't turn there. But it says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. All right, so this once again drives home the point of it's not our works that are leading us to salvation. All right. But we know that Abraham was um, walking in faith by his actions. Okay, it wasn't his actions that led him to, it was the fact that he believed. That's the same way with us, right? It's because we believe, then we walk out these things. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Glad I'm still making sense. Um, da -da 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 -da. All right, and then in James, going back to the first chapter there, in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who, who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in, in what he does. 
All right, what is that talking about? That is talking about, I think Brad talked about this a little bit last week, is that um, we listen to the we could deceive ourselves. All right, say, oh, I just come to church. I, I came to church, you know, cross that off. Boom. Um, we need to walk it out, right? And, and if so, it's saying that if you just listen, you could deceive yourselves. And it's like a man looking in a mirror and he doesn't see, he doesn't see what? Give me, give me one word. Give me one person word that he doesn't see. Jesus. Jesus. He doesn't see Jesus. He's not walking it out. But then it says, the man who does that, yes. So that's what we are. I mean, we can go into, we, what is it, Romans 8, 29, that we are uh, predestined to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus. That's what happens when we die to ourselves. It's like that pumpkin seed. One little pumpkin seed taking over our whole garden. All right. It's amazing we're going to turn into the likeness of Jesus. He's our brother. We are part of that body. It's awesome. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right, all right. Uh, okay, the, uh, the gauge of true discipleship is obedience. The effect of true discipleship is freedom. I think every sermon should include the love of Jesus. And I talked about the love of Jesus. John 13, 35 says, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Uh, in, in the second part of Galatians 5, 6, it says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. We need to believe, but we're believing because we're like our brother Jesus, our older brother Jesus. We love. He loved us so much. We need to love each other so much. Got one last note here. I just heard this and I liked it because I believe it's true. This is a season, and you can see it all around you. If you're not seeing this, um, then you really need to get involved with the body of Christ. This is a season and a time when the Lord is calling his bride to prepare herself. We are the bride of Christ, and the Lord is preparing us. He's preparing us for what? Preparing. He's coming back. He's coming back. We need to be ready for that. You got anything to finish this up with? Or? You, you want to do 